2: Hanging by a thread.
3: Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap to the Truth. Thank you for joining me with you as always. I'm your ever-so-humble host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all of the usual caveats, of course. Uh, also, once again, would like to uh, thank the fine folks at uh, KYAH 540 AM for uh, playing me as part of your weekend rotation. And let me... Welcome, uh, personally, to folks listening at WXEIFM 95.3, the talk of Crestview, Florida. So thank you guys for tuning in as I bring a little East Tennessee flavor your way. Uh, it should be a great show today. We've managed to get past the Thanksgiving holiday, and presumably and most of you have survived Black Friday as well. Uh, so, whoo, got that out of the way. Thank goodness. Uh, here at the bottom of the first hour, I'm scheduled to be joined by Daniel P. Butafuco. He's a trial attorney and an author, and his most recent book is called Consider the Evidence. A trial lawyer examines eyewitness testimony in defense of the reliability of the New Testament. Say that ten times fast. Anyway, Consider the Evidence is what we'll call it from now on, uh, is an interesting book uh, that is basically set on looking at how you can utilize uh, the Bible itself as an evidentiary uh, document uh, towards backing itself up. So we'll, uh, we'll have a conversation there. I'm looking forward to that. Also, at the top of the second hour, I'm scheduled to be joined once again by Mr. Michael Darty, who is, of course, CEO of LabMed and CEO of the Cyber Education, uh, (laughs) the Cyber Education. Uh, And uh, it's uh, also, of course, he is founder of the Justice Society and the author of the very, very, uh, very good book, Uh, The Devil Inside the Beltway, just in case you're not familiar. Uh, Now, for those of you who are listening uh, down in Crestview uh, at WXEI, this show, of course, is uh, being broadcast to you uh, Saturday afternoon, but it is recorded live on Friday nights. So if any of the things that I say here sound a bit dated – Or if information changes from time to time, that will be why. It's also important for you to know that I do uh, more than just the one broadcast. So if you like this show enough to go looking for a podcast of other broadcasts, feel free to do so. You can find me, of course, at the show's website, tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com. Or uh, just about any place that you actually uh, listen to or subscribe to. To any kind of podcast. Uh, you can find, again, Tap Into the Truth, T A P P, Into the Truth, uh, whether that's over at iTunes or at iHeartRadio or Spotify or uh, even over at SoundCloud. I will upload a majority of the shows. So. Uh, unless there's something about the show that I really didn't like the end result. But uh, this still remains uh, primarily from the format over here at blogtalkradio.com, which is the format I'm using, the platform I'm broadcasting from. It remains an internet radio show, meaning that all the shows are done live and uh, then slid into podcast form after the fact. So uh, you're welcome to track those down and listen to uh, other shows with other great guests, and uh, I certainly hope you will take advantage of that. I hope you'll enjoy the show enough to do exactly that. Uh, also, if you look me up at BTR format, you can join me live on Wednesdays and Friday nights uh, from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, and also on Sunday afternoons from 3 until 5 Eastern Time. And uh, the great part about that is you can hop into the chat room, and uh, we'll have some uh, interaction during the show depending on how busy we are and how busy the the news uh, aspect is, how I'm into the stories. Uh, There are, of course, some uh, occasions where I will be uh, highly active uh, with – interactive, I should say highly interactive with folks in the chat room, and then there will be many occasions where I will uh, be so into a story or looking at another screen and not paying much attention to the chat room, so it varies. But I have a usual cast of regulars, uh, none of which have joined me in the chat room yet this evening. Uh, Friday nights are usually a little bit slower, so you'll usually get a little more of my attention. But if you guys start uh, popping in here on Friday nights, and then you'll get the opportunity to, again, listening. Uh, on Saturday afternoon, you can tell your friends, "Hey, I was interacting on the radio with uh, this show, and here I am." And uh, well, there you go. So I just mentioned uh, Black Friday, and wow, what <laughs> what a Black Friday it was! You know, I still don't get why we seem to be having so much uh, strife, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Why are we having so much strife dealing with Black Fridays at this point? You know, I don't get it. I don't understand. With so much of it now, you can do it online. You don't have to go at 4 in the morning and fight your way through a Walmart uh, line. You don't have to bang your way through some of these stores. Now, some of these places are still staying traditional. They're not putting their stuff online, but fewer and fewer of them are doing that. And most of the places that aren't doing that at this point, well, they usually don't have the kind of deals that most folks are really looking for. But for crying out loud, we had all-out brawls in multiple locations. We had shots fired, including deaths in Alabama, shots fired here in my home state of Tennessee out in Memphis, which is the other end of the state from where I'm at. Uh, We've had to have uh, security guards literally beating back angry hordes. So it's like, hey, Merry freaking Christmas to you too. And the worst part is, this is just jumping ahead and, and we take another step towards trying to just skip right past Thanksgiving. And I've been having this particular conversation leading up to Thanksgiving several times in recent years, and it keeps getting a little worse. So I keep trying to remind everybody, you know, Thanksgiving now only serves the purpose of getting to Black Friday. And this the last three years now, and this one was even worse than the previous two. If you are watching television commercials, if you're watching ads, we are inundated about Black Friday commercials. But there is very little mention of Thanksgiving itself. For a while, we've seen this desire to skip ahead of Christmas. I mean, as soon as Halloween's over, and now we start seeing folks wanting to skip ahead to Christmas. Even before Halloween, and uh, mostly the, the, as far as the retail side is concerned is because obviously they're ready to get to the time of year where they can clean out their old inventories, make room for some new stuff, and try to get into the black, which is why they call it Black Friday, I meaning uh, getting the stores profitable finally. You know, They've been in business the whole year, and they're just now, at the end of November, hoping to become profitable for the year. That tells you a lot about the state of retail, but uh, we we see this too, but uh, make no mistake about it. There's another reason why the media in particular, uh, entertainment media and news media is anxious to skip ahead to Christmas just to uh, move past Thanksgiving, and it has every little bit of things to do, but there is absolutely no way… that you can legitimately look at the holiday of Thanksgiving and not completely engage with the fact that it is a uniquely Christian holiday. There is this big effort to push and move past it. You see, and ultimately Christmas is supposed to be um, like the number two Christian holiday… And the only reason it's not number one is because the bottom line is as far as Christians are concerned, the resurrection is much more important than the birth of Christ, which is why we don't even celebrate Christmas at the right time of year for the birth. And I've heard a lot of people criticize uh, the church and try to add to the fact that it helps to support the case that it's not even real, blah, blah. No, it doesn't. You can celebrate someone's birth anytime you choose. Birthdays particularly to Christians, was a pagan rite anyway. It's not something that Christians held particularly firm grasp to, which is why they didn't care. They were trying to bring converts to the church at the time, so they needed something to cover the pagan uh, uh, winter solstice, uh, the Yule holiday, as it were. So uh, they kind of hijacked the Yule solstice and turned it into Christmas so that you'd have something to but thanksgiving is a uniquely christian holiday in so much as there's just no two ways to cut it which is why again the leftists in this country want to try and denigrate it and turn it into uh, a racist event where it, that continues to to hold up in monument the day that european settlers began their conquest and the destruction of the indigenous peoples and, and you You've all heard the the like But uh, At any rate Thanksgiving is a uniquely Christian holiday That is designed for Appreciating The bounty and the blessings That the Lord has seen fit to place Within your grasp So be thankful And I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving Regardless of how Religious, you may approach it or not, regardless of how your relationship with your family is or is not. Whatever constitutes a successful and happy Thanksgiving for you personally, I hope that you had it. But I'd also like to point your attention back to the Black Friday mayhem. And the next time any of you guys are thinking about making fun of a prepper… Take a long look at some of this video footage again and stop and think. If these people are willing to do this to each other over a discount on a television that they probably don't even need, what kind of hell do you think is going to break loose when you run out of food? Don't make fun of the preppers. <laughs> They've got their stuff together. All right. We knew it had to happen too. Um, uh, officially, uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving is uh, considered gracious now. Uh, if I have time, I'll circle back around to that story. But uh, it is officially out there. And again, uh conversation here in the Tap household. We were having that uh, talk about how a lot of the Charlie Brown stuff, they don't like to actually air on broadcast television or at least not like to air it unedited anymore because the early stuff did make a lot of uh, Christian references and even uh, occasionally recited prayers. So, you know, naturally, Charlie Brown has to be denigrated now. Charlie Brown is a white supremacist. Congratulations, the whole peanut gang. Uh, But uh, all that aside...
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen The Bride and Groom?
3: Let's actually get to some uh, legitimate uh, topic of conversation, Johnny, because as much as people will be talking about the Black Friday stuff, this next bit is kind of important. Uh, Stampedes, uh, guess what? We run the potential of a human stampede taking place on our southern border. Evidently, the migrant caravan, or at least some members thereof…  … … that's been hanging around in Tijuana for a, a few days now, and by a few days I mean for better than a week, um, evidently a few of these members have been openly talking about rushing the border, essentially planning on creating a human stampede into the United States of America. And one of these groups, supposedly one that's talking about this, have positioned themselves roughly about 500 feet from the U.S. border. Now, members of the migrant caravan that marched up from Central America through Mexico are reportedly talking about crossing the US border in what amounts to a human stampede in order to draw reaction from the Trump administration. I, if Trump would follow through with, with what he's threatening to do, and on this one I'm on board with him, uh, <laughs> I think you need to hold the border. These people need to understand that there is a orderly, legal fashion to go about entering this country, and that is how they should approach it. Uh, if Trump would hold, hold sway with this, I don't think these people are going to like the reaction they get. Unfortunately, I don't think Trump will follow through with the threats. I think he will acquiesce because he's got advisors who are going to tell him, no, you can't. You can't just stand there. <laughs> you can't have the media circus that will… … that will come as a result of this. So I have a feeling that if they bum rush the the border, that they will make their way across, but I'm not going to be happy about it. And I don't think any other person legally living in this country should be happy about it. And as far as that goes, I don't think there's very many people who have already illegally crossed that border who should be particularly happy about it either because these folks are continuing to bring further attention to you too. Eventually, the American people are going to have enough of this, and right now the media hasn't figured out why they are off. They haven't figured out why the American people don't trust them anymore. The politicians on both sides of the aisle that play softball…  … or who are legitimately encouraging this kind of behavior, they haven't figured out why the American people are turning sour on them. In fact, they keep trying to find excuses and ways to explain away the fact that they don't really think they are. So while that's transpiring, the American people will eventually get to a point where they will get so fed up that you're going to see something that uh, Glenn Beck refers to as the Bubba effect… I mention Glenn Beck because he is the person I've heard use that term, and I, I think the term is appropriate, so I have lifted that term. I, I hope he doesn't show up here at my studio and uh, decide to charge me with larceny of taking some of his catchphrases away right, since I gave him credit. But um, you know, when you're talking about the Bubba effect, basically it means once the people have decided that… The officials who are supposed to be doing the job simply aren't up to the task or simply aren't willing to perform the job. They will eventually take some of these things into their own hands. Now, whether you are a fan of vigilante justice or not, it's not going to make a difference. Sooner or later, enough people who are well-trained and who have a fundamental understanding of how to go about doing this, they're going to step up, and they will challenge the… Authorities at that point to do something about them, and I hope it doesn't get to that point. I hope that these folks will, uh, will realize how precarious their position is and that the American people are reaching their limits. But uh, at any rate, uh, here is uh, further from the article. Uh, quote, they have that intention. Uh, One of the founders of Angels Without Borders uh, said when he was talking with Fox News, uh, he's talking about a group that uh, is aiding the migrants. Uh, Well, the Angels Without Borders is a group that's aiding the migrants, but uh, he's talking about a group within the migrants that are currently there. And he followed that up by saying that, uh, quote, I believe that thousands could make that jump. Now, there's roughly some 6,000 migrants or so that have gathered uh, around in Tijuana, Mexico, which is, of course, just right across from San Diego. Uh, That's in California, for those of you not familiar. (laughs) Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. So uh, roughly about 6,000 folks in Tijuana as of the last couple of weeks. The Trump administration has said that many, many more – I'm trying to talk a little like – many, many more. Anyway, the Trump administration says that as many as 10,000 could possibly arrive in the next few weeks. Most of these folks that are currently there are down there sleeping in the streets or they're camped out in makeshift tents. So it has created an incident within the city where violence has broken out between the locals and some of the migrants. Uh, The mayor of Tijuana has – i uh, been very vocal about uh, the fact he doesn't want these people in the city, that uh, this isn't working out for them. It's not safe. It's not like uh, uh, other migrants who have come through. It's just a bad thing. Uh, so at any rate, uh, one of the Honduran migrants uh, who was interviewed uh, by Telemundo, uh, Mr. Jorge Malonia, uh, said, quote, Most of us, yes, we want to be on the other side. Some want to jump over the wall, others to go another way, and others want to wait and see what kind of response they get. So there's literally a group that says, okay, we're going to jump the wall. There's another group that says we're going to figure something else out. And there is yet a third group that says we're going to sit back and we're going to see what happens with both those other groups. If they jump the wall and they get over the wall, then we're going to go over the wall too. At any rate, we've also had uh, this notion. It continues to pop up. Why are we allowing this to happen? A Tijuana councilman by the name of uh, Manuel uh, Maneres said that a mass border would, quote, further strain economic relations with the U.S. Now, I believe he means that a mass border breach, but uh, that was not included there. Also said, quote, a human stampede would be an immediate provocation to the U.S. and justify Donald Trump to impact the binational dynamics of the economy. Now, what that is, is an acknowledgement, just FYI, that the new version of NAFTA has provisions in it if Mexico does not do enough to try to stem the tide of illegal border crossings from their side. They know that they are risking not being included in further works, which would be disastrous because the deal with Mexico was made much earlier than the deal with Canada because Justin Trudeau up in Canada was so busy trying to… Uh, Looked tough for about 25 seconds before he basically had to call the Mexican president and beg for help. Please, please make it Donald Trump and talk to me. I don't do a very good Justin Trudeau, though so I'm not even trying. But we we are looking at a situation where these folks literally want to jump the ball. They want to jump the ball. Why? Why do these people want to jump the wall? Because they don't believe there will be any consequences. They don't believe they're running any kind of risk, that there is nothing negative, nothing bad that's going to happen to them. They don't believe this country has the will any longer to enforce its borders. Now, some of these people bought into the talk, the, the tough talk of Donald Trump early. But they have since been able to watch CNN and MSNBC and NBC and ABC and CBS and all these wonderful so-called news outlets who have done nothing but denigrate and do nothing but put pundits and Democrat office holders on uh, these national television, knowing that it's carried now internationally to make it look as if Donald Trump doesn't have the power to do the things that he says he's going to do. And it doesn't help that every democrat and every judge currently sitting in a federal courtroom right now seems to act as if there has been zero immigration laws in existence prior to Donald J Trump taking office. We literally are sitting at a point in time where we have this complete blackout by the media. It's just it's a blackout. They have no memory whatsoever of the fact that None of the things that Donald Trump has done in trying to enforce the border security at this point are any different than what Barack Obama was doing. There is no notice, no mention, no it, – it's just oh – don't no. No, this is all new. In fact, we didn't even have immigration laws before Donald J. Trump. We never had to worry about people trying to cross our border, never mind the fact that… We've had problems with people illegally crossing our southern border for decades. You know, we've, we've constantly, from the very beginning, have been very cautious about who we've wanted to allow in our country and for reasons, gasp of national security, for reasons that have to do with us being vigilant about who we let in. And we have created programs like these uh, lotteries uh, designed to try and help people that didn't necessarily fit the criteria of folks we would generally want in the country to still have opportunities. Now, I personally don't think it's a particularly good idea. I would like to see these lottery programs ended, and it's not because I have ill will towards any of the people who benefited from it. It's because, again… It puts us in a position where we're paying very little if any true attention to a vetting process, and that's what we keep running afoul of situations. The vetting process has to be in place. Why is it so hard for people on either side of the political aisle to understand that we have laws in place because we have concerns…  … about who's operating within our borders. We have concerns because from the government aspect, one of the few primary actual legitimate jobs they have is to provide for the defense of America's citizens. And if you don't know who's coming in, you can't adequately provide defense. From the very beginning, when we first saw Donald J. Trump looking to try and put the travel restriction executive order into play, and I I refuse to call it a travel ban. I may occasionally reference that uh, so that you'll know based on what the common statements were, but it was a travel restriction, and it was meant to be short-term and temporary, and it specifically stated for the purpose of creating a better vetting System The language was there, and I'm sorry, but where do we where do we get off just constantly letting judicial activists set back and mandate that no, we can't institute this when the lawyers arguing against the executive orders admit in court that if it was anybody other than Donald J. Trump, yes, it would be completely within the power. of whatever person, individual held the office of president to issue that exact same order. But for the first time in history, rhetoric from a campaign became a window into the soul, and rather than paying attention strictly to what was in the order, how the order was written… … well, we have to read between the lines. It's not how our court systems were built uh, to work and it's really something that we should not be looking towards having happen it can be very dangerous it will be very dangerous it and you know when barack obama uh, was president you know folks like myself were constantly warning uh, folks on the left be careful what level of authority and power you give this guy that i've got a i've got a phone and a pen line You may like it right now, but what's going to happen the second somebody you don't like sitting in that office? Well, we're already there, and all of a sudden they want rule of law back. They want unconstitutional uh, executive overreach stopped in its tracks. But where's the intellectual honesty? I don't understand.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: All right, since it is now officially in the holiday season, I'm going to take a very short break here, and uh, I've begun playing the holiday music rotation. So uh a little bit of music uh, and get you in the holiday spirit. Uh, I hope it's not too soon. It is after Thanksgiving. I waited, guys. I waited. Stay with me. I will be right back. And upon my return, I will be joined by Daniel P. Barifuco, Esquire. So stay with me. I will be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I am back, and uh, as I mentioned before, going off on the break, uh, we're now being uh, joined by Daniel P. Buttafuko. Uh Asked me to call him Dan uh, while I was talking to him online, so we'll call him Dan moving forward. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us, and how are you this evening?
4: Thank you, Tim, for having me on the show. It's great. It's a pleasure. Thank you. All right.
3: Well, uh, let's, uh, like I said before, let's just jump right in, talking about the book, obviously, Consider the evidence uh, a a unique perspective uh you've been a trial lawyer for it's fair to say a little while, uh, so you <laughs> eight <38 this>, years <laughs> you have this opportunity to apply courtroom activity and the rules of evidence and you understand how to build a case you understand how to tear a case down, and you decided to look at the reliability of the New Testament first of all, what made you decide? to, to take on this case.
4: (laughs) Well, approximately 20 years ago, one of my uh, adversary attorneys who became a very good friend of mine, you know, we, even though we fight it out in court uh, on serious personal injury cases, when we are in our private time, we're all good friends. And so we were talking and at a party and he decided uh, that he was going to debate me in front of the whole party as to whether or not the Bible was true. And the party immediately split into two halves with people on my side cheering me on, people on his side cheering him on. It was on his deck about 20 years ago. And it turned out that when we were done, I felt that uh, while I knew I was a good lawyer and very persuasive and, uh, you know, was able to argue and win cases. um, I felt that I did not do a good job representing the most important point of view, which is, I think, God's point of view. And so I sort of embarked on a 20-year journey to sort of read everything I could read and ultimately got a master's degree in theology. I studied under Rabbi Zacharias. I got interested in apologetics. And uh, we're still having the same debate. It's going on now 20 years, except that now he said to me recently, I can't even talk to you anymore. You have answered every one of my questions. I have nothing left. Still not a believer, but it's uh, only God can give saving faith. But at least he has no more excuses. Let's put it that way.
3: <laughs> well, you know, situation situations like this, and I've recently gotten to talk to uh, several guests, and I hadn't planned it this way, but we've had several folks that are doing kind of the same thing, making the case for how to bring Jesus into the workplace without overdoing it and, and things of that nature, and uh, there seems to be a refueling. Uh, if you will, a resurgence, a new spiritual awakening. It's still happening very slowly, but it's always a personal uh, tipping point something like that. And I think it's stories like that that we can all relate to because I think we've all been in a conversation like that. Um, Did you uh, have an opportunity to have any conversations along these lines over your uh, Thanksgiving holiday?
4: Well, yes. I mean, my family, I was with mostly my family over the holidays, and they're all believers, but I will tell you this, that the book, which is called Consider the Evidence, is essentially designed for the average person to have those types of discussions around the Thanksgiving table. The Apologetics and the arguments for the faith and why we believe the Bible is the Word of God, these things have been around for centuries. Some cases, millennia, depending on what you're talking about. And while this has been known for a long time, what we have now is a situation where the average person is so distracted between his cell phone and Facebook and television, it all sort of started with television and radio, that they don't have time to do the heavy lifting and the reading as to understand why we believe. The Christian faith is correct. Why do we believe Jesus really existed? Why do we really believe Jesus rose from the dead? Why do we really believe the Bible, the New Testament, is the Word of God? Why do we believe these things? Well, there are very good reasons, but most Christians don't know them, so I'll go into a church, and when I speak in various churches, I'll say something like, how many people believe the Bible is the Word of God? Plus, of all the faithful raise their hands, and my next question is, how many people know why? And I get crickets. And so, you know, what I've tried to do is take this stuff and break it down for the average person because as a trial lawyer who tries and has tried many jury and non-jury cases, my skill set is to take complex subjects like medicine, engineering, whatever, in this case, theology, and make it so that the average person can understand it and make a decision because ultimately that's what you want people to do. You want people to make a decision. So if there's a plumber who doesn't have time to go to the library and read 50 books or a hairdresser, or a housewife, or you name it, any an accountant, or even a doctor who's just not interested in theology, in a single format, in one giant sort of summation, taking all the evidence, actually I have a lot more, but that's for another book, but as much as I could put in one book and still make it readable so that people can read it and say, you know what, now I understand why we believe this, and give it to a friend that they love, or somebody that they've been witnessing to, maybe they can't make the arguments, Maybe by reading it, they'll eventually learn to make the arguments. But the idea is to touch people and have them have increase their faith. Let them know that they have a firm foundation for why they can believe this stuff.
3: Right. Well, you know that is a, a great point that you make as far as the skill set, because you know a, a lot of people who are not attorneys, they don't understand what a trial attorney really has to do when they're reaching out to a jury, uh, because. Everybody sitting in that jury box, not not very likely that you're talking about people who have put in the time to understand the law and the implications. So it's your job at that in that instance to put that in a form that they'll understand, that you can make that argument, and sometimes it's as simple as just finding that one way to click in a layman's term – Uh, And it's such a specialized field. You put in so much time to learn, and and you've got all the the technical aspects down. Uh, And I'm always amazed at somebody who's a very good trial lawyer because I have noticed over the years that my emphasis when I was uh, schooling was more in science. And one of the hardest things for these folks to do when they became so um, uh, intellectual, (laughs) I suppose, is Right, you would be so they,
4: smart that you become stupid.
3: Yeah, you, you can't communicate anymore. It's like, I, right. I can That's only. That's what speak, we have. That's but, the
4: situation. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, you know, that was the point. You know, I want people to consider the evidence. That's why I entitled the book Consider the Evidence. There's so much evidence out there, and it's being overlooked because people just don't have the time to, you know, to gather all these things together. Oh, I put it together in a nice, convenient place. Uh, it's not a scholarly work, and you're right. You know, the average age of a juror, they've done studies on this, the average intellectual age of a juror is high school you know, diploma. Now, certainly there are more educated jurors and certainly less educated jurors, but all the studies say when you're trying to persuade a jury, you should aim your arguments in such a way that it's for the average high school educated person. Because, you know, you can be smart and not be educated. I mean, that's the bottom line. You know, there are plenty of people out there who've never ha- had the chance to have a really high-end formal education. Either they can't afford it or they've had circumstances in their life. That doesn't mean that they're not smart people. doesn't mean that they can't think, that they don't have some wisdom. They just may not have all the information. So what I've tried to do with this book, Consider the Evidence, is to package it in such a way that people can can read it, and then they can then take those principles and talk to people that are in, in their workplace, in the cubicle next to them, uh, or in the car wash, or whoever they are. It's the kind of a book you could read on the train going into work, or in the back seat of a cab, you know, just in, in a few hours. It's it's not a heavy read. I try to simplify the language, and I try to take complex, you know, theological subjects and make it so the average person could understand it. And that was my goal. I hope I succeeded. I think I did. It sold out the first day.
3: <laughs> well, that's usually a pretty good sign. Uh, you must have done something right. Uh, during the course of doing your research, though, putting together uh, the uh, the book itself, uh, did you come across anything that really just surprised you? Anything you that stood out that is something that you just had to take a step back and say, well, wow, I can't believe I didn't know that already? Well,
4: yeah, one of the things that I, I sort of came to a conclusion on my own, and I think it's a really strong point, is that you know one of the issues with people in terms of believing the New Testament is a lot of times scholars and, – and like I said, scholars can be so smart that they become stupid – Okay, And they get off on, into the weeds and on tangents, and they sort of miss basic common sense things, which is what trial lawyers always appeal to. It's like, guys, let's use your brains and add it all up and see if it makes sense. That's a very typical argument we'd make to juries. And like, one of the things is dating the writings of the New Testament, right? And, and depending on who you listen to, some date these writings into the second century, uh, and you know, that makes them after the witnesses are, are, are no longer alive and it makes it like these things are starting to get the status of a legend. But it's a very compelling argument that you can make that is a very common sense argument and and therefore very persuasive that every single book of the New Testament has been written before 70 A.D. And it's very simply this. And you don't have to be a scholar to appreciate this, okay? Every single book book of the New Testament had to be written before 70 A.D. for the simple reason that the most important fact that happened in Jewish life. And remember, the book of the Bi- books of the Bible, the 27 books of the Bible of the New Testament were written by Jewish people, except Luke. He was the only one who wasn't Jewish, and he was a doctor, so he's almost Jewish, okay? And, and you have all of these people who are in the Jewish context, and they're in Judea, And this is the center of Jewish life, the epicenter. And none of the books of the New Testament mention the destruction of the temple, which we know from historical records, without any question or doubt, in 70 A.D., when the legions of Titus Vespasian sieged Jerusalem and put 1.1 million Jewish people to the sword. It was literally the end of the age. The temple was destroyed. There were no more sacrifices. And it's not mentioned once in the new testament which is shocking because in hebrews the book of hebrews which is actually one of the later books of the new testament the writer argues jesus is the mediator of a new and better covenant and the sacrifices of bulls and goats could never take away sins well you might want to mention the slam dunk argument and by the way we don't have a temple and we don't have an altar upon which to make these sacrifices but he never says it the only possible explanation could be it hadn't happened yet the New Testament also doesn't mention the deaths of Paul, major character, or Peter. Now, Peter, you could sort of understand, but Paul, the whole book of Acts is about the life and the trial of Paul and his legal problems and his appeals to Caesar. You're sort of hanging on the edge of your chair. What's happening? How's it going to turn out? Is Paul going to get by? Is he going to get acquitted? Is he going to get convicted? What's going to happen? Doesn't tell us. Well, we know Paul was executed on the Nero in 64 or 65 A.D., not mentioned. The only explanation is it hadn't happened yet, which makes these writings very early, which means that we can trust them because the witnesses were still alive. These people saw, experienced, and knew these things. And if these writings had been false, they would have been challenged because they were widely circulated. So these are the kind of things that we look at. And, it well, there's so many other things, but you have to get the book. All right. And I mean, it's not a money-making venture. I want people to read it not about money. We have plenty of money. We win a lot of cases, not about money. I want people to know the truth.
3: I was just going to say, we can't give away everything or people won't buy the book. So we definitely want to do that. Um, Is there a particular argument that are made by uh, the apologists or the non-believers that you've seen repeat that you take a particular joy in uh, repeating?
4: Yeah. Well, like one of the things, they try to say is that the losers write history. And, you know, that's a very common – I mean, the winners write history. What am I saying? That's a big common thing that now in revisionist history is that they say, uh, well, you know, the winners get to write history. Well, really, not in the case of the Bible. In fact, the Bible has lots of negative information recorded about some of the main people in the Bible. For example, Peter denying Christ after he boasts that he'll never do that.
1: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: At the last time he denied Christ was still like a servant girl in the garden. I mean, what a coward. He looks terrible. And some sects of Christianity consider him to be the first pope. But regardless of whether he was the first pope, he clearly was very important. He could have sanitized that out of the narrative. And if you were going to fabricate a story, you'd never put something like that in there, right? So why is that in there? Well, because it happened that way, and the Bible records everything exactly the way it happened. It's very much an eyewitness account. You have Peter and Paul, the two great apostles, fighting Paul and Peter's face, yelling at him for being a hypocrite. Why is that in there? Because that's what happened. Uh, you have w- women as the first witnesses to the resurrection, that, that, that's preposterous. If you were fabricating account, an account, you'd never have women as witnesses to anything in the first century because it was illegal for a woman to be a witness. And one of them was a prostitute. Real credibility problem there. Why is that that way? Because that's what happened. And there's so much of that in the Bible. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. And so when people say these things, I like to just, you know, in casual social situ- situations, I just put them in their place in a nice way remind them that they don't really know what they're talking about and and today you get a lot of people who will voice their opinions and silence their friends and you know it sounds like they know what they're talking about and they really don't know what they're talking about so christians have to start speaking up and start saying wait a minute you know that's not true and here's why and just basically start making the counter arguments and we have lots of good material lots
3: yeah, I mean that's probably one of the best points I've heard made, and I've, I've very rarely heard it articulated as well. But, yeah, you know, why do you risk impugning your own testimony unless you feel it's that important to be accurate and to be as honest as possible? Uh, all right, Dan. Yeah, you know, again, I want to thank you very much for your time this evening. I, I hate that. Uh, We have to end things where we have, but uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Before I let you go, please feel free to uh, throw out any websites you'd like to share. Certainly let people know where they can find the book. And if you invite people to follow you on social media or anything like that, uh, go ahead and share that as well.
4: Well, thank you. It's very kind. And mostly what I want them to do is get the book. It's Consider the Evidence. The website is considertheevidencebook.com also available on Amazon, although it did sell out the first day, but I understand they've ordered 2,000 more. They're restocking. Um, You can find me, just put in Butterfuco. That's my last name. It's a famous name. I didn't make it famous, but I'm not related to the other Butterfuco. But if you put in Dan Butterfuco, trial lawyer, I'll come up anywhere. I've tried many cases. I handle cases in pretty much every state of the United States. And we've been around for a long time. The whole legal profession knows us. So anytime, if you want to reach me, I'm easy to find and easy to reach.
3: All right. Again, Dan, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to uh, hook back up and uh, talk a little more because I have certainly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, sir.
4: Well, God bless you. That, God bless you, Tim, and God bless your entire audience. Thank you.
3: All right, ladies All right. and gentlemen. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. uh Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Daniel Uh, uh certainly uh, well-known as a trial lawyer, and uh, he is uh, the author of Consider the Evidence. And uh, I love the energy. I love the uh, straightforwardness. You can tell he argues for a living. (laughs) I want to give a shout-out to uh, Chief, who has joined us in the chat room, by the way. Uh, Chief uh, host of uh, the great show, Simple Facts of Life. In fact, the only complaint I have about Chief's show is it's just not long enough. Uh, He only runs for 30 minutes. But if you happen to be fortunate enough that you uh, follow uh, Kel Fritzie… Uh, especially on her Infidel for Watching show, which is part of the Global Patriot Radio Network. Uh, Chief called in the other night, and he got – what was it, Chief? Uh, about a, an hour and 20 minutes, something in that range. It wasn't wasn't far off from that. Uh, it, it was actually very, very – entertaining conversation, a lot of uh, informative bits and a lot of just entertainment, and uh, uh, I I love listening to the show. I wish I had had a chance to catch it live. I did catch it in the archives. In fact, I listened to it earlier today uh, while I was waiting for Annie to uh, come on live. Uh, So, uh, Chief, uh, hat tip to you. Uh, Thanks for joining us. And for those of you who are wondering uh, of these shows that I'm talking about, Annie uh, Annie Ubellis, who is known as the Radio Chick, is the host of Southern Sense Talk Radio. Uh, you can do a Google search from that, and uh, you can find her just about anywhere. Uh, Simple Facts of Life you can find right here at uh, the BTR platform. I'm pretty sure a Google search will probably do you well enough. But uh, outside of that after the hat tip, uh, tell me, I just uh, – you can tell, like I was saying, uh, Dan butafuco is uh, he's energetic. He's extremely knowledgeable, and he is – He's still excited about this project, you know. And this is a a book that I think is certainly worth considering picking up uh, if if you are one of these Christians that just feels like you lack the competence to to publicly back up why you believe what you uh, believe, uh consider the evidence is exactly as advertised. It is a great great resource for you to utilize. And uh, I highly recommend you do the follow-up. I do have a link in today's show description. Now, for those of you who are uh, listening uh, in some other format, uh, the show descriptions do not work quite so well for you. But again, like you said, just just Google it. Consider the evidence, or you can go over to Amazon and search for it there. Uh, If they've reordered, I'm sure uh, it won't be long before it's available. Highly recommend you checking it out. Uh, And then, in the meanwhile, I guess, uh, (laughs) crazy is always entertaining. Uh, Well, (laughs) sometimes, uh, just interacting with Chief in the chat room. Remember what I was telling you guys earlier? If you hop in here, get part of the show live, uh, just hang out over here. You can get into this chat room. Usually, it's uh, it's a happening place over here on Wednesdays and Sundays, but Friday nights, uh, it's kind of slow, so... Uh, Some of you guys listening down in Crestview, if you wanted to join the Friday night festivities, you'd have just about free reign just to get to know chief a little bit. In the meanwhile, uh, let's go ahead and uh, a little early, but not much. We'll go ahead and do the Edwards Notebook and then the uh, Songs and Stories Veterans Tip of the Day, and I'll probably follow that up with a little more holiday music because, yes, I am just there i am ready for christmas i'm in the christmas spirit i i'm not somebody that gets out here ahead of thanksgiving i, I hate doing christmas stuff before thanksgiving because i hate skipping the holidays That's the whole thing i was talking about at the top of the show do not skip thanksgiving but on thanksgiving day is the family tradition here it has been for a while When I was growing up and it just continued here in the house, we start doing Christmas decorations after we've had the Christmas – I'm not sorry. After we've had the Thanksgiving meal. And because I like Christmas so much, and I really do like Christmas, uh, everything stays up until after the first. Also because there's a lot of work involved with putting it up, a lot of work involved with pulling it down. I don't want to just do it for a few days. So anyway – Let's go ahead and do the Edwards Notebook, Ron Edwards, host of the Ron Edwards Experience. Check him out. And uh, then uh, we'll hear Dan Perkins as he will bring you the Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. Stay with me. I will be right back.
1: As we approach Thanksgiving and the Christmas season, both of which have deep Christian roots, it is a bit disheartening to witness yet another episode of leftist bigotry against good works. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, community activists and leftist city council members in Pittsburgh have signed a letter calling for Chick-fil-A to be booted out as sponsor of the annual Pittsburgh Kids Marathon because of CEO Dan Cathy's Christian beliefs that include marriage between a man and a woman, and that LGBTQIA choices don't align with the word of God. Additionally, Pittsburgh government school officials have threatened to join the boycott unless Chick-fil-A is forced to meet their demands and walk away. Despite the fact that not one individual from Chick-fil-A has ever uttered a word against anyone or their lifestyle choices, the bigoted leftists of Pittsburgh are so sensitive they can't stomach a Christian organization doing good works in the community. My, how times have changed. Well, don't miss the Ron Edwards experience worldwide on AmericanMatters.us Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, Saturdays at 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern on Utah's KYAH 540 a.m. and Sunday midnights on the Talk America radio network. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America.
7: Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is Dan Perkins for Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us with your Veterans Tip of the Day. You served your country, you made a difference, and now you have a chance to make a difference once again. Your country needs you to fight one more time. So here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. Next month may be one of the most important midterm elections in our lifetime. You, along with all Americans, are going to be asked if you want to go forward or backwards in America. To be part of the decision, go to the polls and vote. Encourage your fellow vets to vote and your friends to vote. Unless you vote, you can't have a voice. We want to hear from you. The best way to do that is for you to vote. Your vote counts. You don't have to put on the old uniform to fight in this battle. All you have to do is check a box or pull a lever. Go to the polls and show your support for the Constitution and America. The country you may save is your own. This has been Dan Perkins with your Veterans Tip of the Day.
3: All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was uh, some lovely silence to uh, d- add dramatic effect after the Christmas music. Uh, actually, I was hitting the wrong button, <laughs> so uh, apologies. All right, uh, it, I'd like to uh, once again uh, thank all of you for staying with me through that uh, very brief break, and uh, now it is my uh, pleasure and honor to welcome back to the show once again Mr. Michael darty, uh, CEO of LabMD, uh, also Founder of the Justice Society as well as the author of the wonderful book, The Devil Inside the Beltway, uh, which was the first thing that we had uh, uh, Michael to come on and talk to us about. And uh, things just keep expanding. He has become an expert on cybersecurity, and the reason why he has become an expert in that field stems from what happened to him in real life that was somewhat fictionalized in The Devil Inside the Beltway. Michael, uh, thank you for joining us again, and how are you this uh, after thanks? I'm I'm
6: well. I'm stuffed. I'm fat. I've slept too much. I've eaten too much. I'm good.
3: <laughs> well, uh, you certainly sound like you had a great holiday, and uh, that, of course, is about the best we can hope for these days, uh,
5: yep. getting some
3: quality time with family and uh and uh, you certainly had your trials, uh, as you uh, certainly laid out in the book. But uh, and Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: If you don't mind, I have a, a new radio station that is officially coming on board uh, into the syndication program. So uh, if you like, we'll uh, kind of touch back on the book some more for the new audience. And, uh, before we do that, though, the main reason I've got you on this evening is to talk about uh, this. Notion that's going on over in the UK. Some of these uh, companies are thinking about implanting microchips into their employees. What's the deal?
5: <laughs> well,
6: um, you know, it's it, 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 it's it's a good topic to make everyone think about privacy because it does sound ridiculous to so many people. Um, we probably um, were a little more combative over here and uh, not quite so docile. That and and microchipping yourself for convenience of being able to check into work and 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 maybe keep some information about you to, to be easy and not have to reach for anything in your wallet or purse or backpack seems crazy uh, and it's a company in Sweden's making some things and there's some UK companies that have made it voluntary and oh it's so great it's so great you know here's the thing um, it's it's a really good eye grabber in the press that they were doing this and it stirs up the talk of privacy, but we're already basically microchipped. Our phones are so powerful and so um, strong and, and we keep it on our bodies, air our bodies all the time. And it's just one more step, but way down the line in loving convenience and we're way behind the curve in addressing our privacy and security issues. And the country and the world is in the same position. So we're just in love with these things and what they do and and how how we can. I mean, look at how we're shopping today, right, and and how you can gather so much more information. But there's a downside, and the downside is that bad people can get your information and use it against you in bad ways.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, we've actually – the company that I work for uh, at the uh, day job, as I call it, um, we've actually discussed the possibility of using shipping as well uh, for uh, security purposes. We're in food manufacturing, and the FDA is very, very heavy on the security, so you control who is coming in and out of certain areas. But uh, we still kind of shy away from it because it feels – somehow like a uh, an invasion of that personal space. But you do make a great point that between uh, the home devices that we have running everything and, and telling us what the temperature is and the best routes to get back and forth and then the cell phones, we, we really are pretty much surveilling ourselves for anyone who wants to steal that information. Um, it, when we're looking at these chips, though, uh, how secure are these and uh, is there – Uh, Any guarantees that uh, this can be made more secure?
6: Uh, not very, and no. And that's what we have to understand is that you're only as strong as your weakest link. And there's and at this stage of the game, there's no big magical tech bullet that's going to make everything secure. Uh, and your weakest link is some human being make a, making a ridiculous mistake. And it's not just where this data is. It's where the data is kept outside. Where are their copies? Where is it fooled? Where is it centralized? What is it? How can it be made valuable? Um, You know, they don't necessarily go into your body with this information or all your HR information, but where does your company keep it back up? And how do they get rid of that if you leave the company? So there's a lot of things that really haven't changed. I mean, just because it's a chip in your body makes really no difference except that it's in your body and what are they going to do with that and what type of um, things can happen if they tie that up to – Later, which is not yet, but later to you know, medical devices or things like that. Um, that that's it's just a conversation. We have to understand that we have completely given up our privacy. We've not knowingly done that when Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, everyone, Google, you know, came up on the scene. When you install the application, you check on the box. Most people had, can't see into the future. And they had no idea that we were going to be giving data up that's going to be allowing them to analyze, you know, monetize, categorize us. We certainly didn't know that was what we were signing off on. We thought,
1: okay, nifty,
6: free, great. And if they want to figure out what I like to shop, okay. But it's way past that. And it's, it's, the, it's the artificial intelligence programs that will be able to take all the data and analyze who you like to who you like to hang around with? Who your friends are? Where you live? If you travel a lot? Where you shop? What do you like to shop? I mean, they can create so many diced and sliced categories, and almost at a, an, an uncanny level of prediction, figure things out, and then just and just pigeonhole you. And that's fine, I guess, if you're okay with that, so you don't have to write a check. But when it comes to getting it for political reasons, you know, they do this in the government, and the government loves it. Until Trump uses it better, and then they freak out like there's some sort of sudden moral violation, so there's a lot of things to think about that we don't think about because we've just we didn't know what we didn't know, and so it's we have to tread with caution here. we start implanting ourselves for our employer. I can't believe i can't believe I saying those words All right
3: well, I mean, it does still sound kind of crazy, but uh. But when you look at the success of a company like Amazon, I mean, Jeff Bezos basically took a company that's original motto was we're going to sell used books online and then uh, basically looked at the concept of eliminating friction where now all you have to do <laughs> – you can practically just look at your uh, phone or your laptop, and the Amazon page you're looking for will come up and is ready to reorder for you. It's waiting for one click. So much of that – is based on things that we have willingly given up but like you said without thinking about it is the lure of the convenience going to continue us further down this path or do you see a point where maybe something like this maybe shocks some people awake and realize how much they've given up as far as privacy in exchange for a little convenience
6: well I I wish I could say I had more faith than than the average uh, western citizen but uh... So many people are asleep at the wheel. I mean, they don't read. They don't get politically involved. They don't even know who their congressman or senator are. And so, uh, you know, that's the pool of people they like to get to. That's who they like to control and seduce into keeping people in power. So I don't think uh, we'll be all the wiser. I think it's going to have to come from uh, maybe, you know, litigation, uh, legislation, um, you know, and, and, and maybe bad PR, but it's, it's um, you know, a lot of us just walk around like lemmings and, and we raise kids now that really don't know how to socialize with each other because their face is in their phones since they start, you know, developing their, their ability to speak. So, you know, I, I actually think things could get worse before they get better. And because um, uh, ironically, these kids are really, really spoiled. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I couldn't just, it's a snap of a finger. Look up anything I want to look up. It's almost like you don't have to have a brain function anymore. You're just very, very dependent, and that dependency is very dangerous.
3: Well, you're absolutely right. Now, we actually, we're having a conversation here in the tap household just the other night about that very fact. Uh, as I was trying to explain to my youngest daughter the virtues of utilizing a uh, actual uh, <laughs> paper. Uh, formed encyclopedia and they're like uh, why would i do that <laughs> it's like well if you go to wikipedia you can't trust that everything you're getting is 100 percent. you still need to verify and it's like the very notion blew her mind what do you mean i can't be sure <laughs> so I, yeah and I, I agree.
6: Mean, we don't have everything's kind of in our head and our own artificial reality and um you know, you can't fool Mother Nature. So if things get too far off the beam, I expect us to get quite the smack in the face. But right now we're getting diluted into, um, almost hypnotized into comfort and indifference. Uh, it just feels so greater than any one person. And what is it that we can do? And uh, the government does not necessarily mind this type of um, information. So they, they've they had to learn to use the weapon the way they want to use the weapon and they like using it to scare people into voting a certain way or, 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 or controlling speech and communication. And now let's not forget these companies that do this are international companies and they have agreements with, with Iran and and China and North Korea and Russia and they make money there and they have a lot of information about us. And these are things that we have to not fall asleep about and demand Congress do something. And Congress won't touch it right now because they don't know how to politicize it to an advantage. They knew how to politicize medicine to an advantage, but they haven't figured out what to do with technology. So we have to push them and, and and be aware um, of of what can really go wrong because we also have a whole culture in DC that has no accountability and you know, Technology doesn't care about that. Technology is probably is very merciless. So, you know, I don't mean to scare everyone, but we just can't lay back and go, oh, isn't this a great little toy? What could possibly go wrong? Well, a lot could possibly go wrong, and that is the allowing all this information about you out to
3: friends and enemies. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it's exactly what you're saying, and I'm afraid that before Congress will act, it's going to take something very, very bad happening to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, if it's happening across the pond, if it becomes commonplace, uh, the government in certain circumstances is actually encouraging it here. uh, Because like I said, it comes highly recommended as a way to carry uh, safety data, for instance, uh, by FDA standards. They don't have anything formally written down, but verbally they're communicating that they would like for companies that actually manufacture and uh, distribute to more than 13 states uh, to be very proactive with it. Uh, And it's something that to me, it's frightening on the aspect that they just expect everyone to set back and make this a norm. And there's very little room for people to uh, come back and say, no, I don't want to do that. But the conversation about the government and the lack of responsibility and their lack of understanding technology is actually a great jumping-off point to to let some of the new listeners uh, know a little bit about the devil inside the Beltway.
6: Well, um, if you, I'll say this again later too. If if, if you business, we did a whole profile on, on it, so you could never get ten years of what happened in about a minute for me. So if you were Google. FTC wounded lab MD. You'll get a, a Bloomberg Business Week article that very in depth about what happens. But I worked in medicine and surgical device sales for a long time, and I founded a medical laboratory that just worked on prostate cancer uh, diagnosis and, and anything in a urologist's office. And The company was called LabMD and we were doing quite well in about a decade into our existence, a little over a decade. We got a phone call from a guy that said he found 9,000 of our patients in a file out in cyberspace. And my IT guys didn't believe it, said he had to come steal it. But, you know, knowing something versus proving something are two different things. And And he kept emailing us trying to sell services and I finally told him to go away. Well, he had threatened to send us to the federal government had we not acquiesced, but we didn't believe that he actually found anything. We believed it. he came in and took it, and it was nowhere else and We never had anyone call with a problem ever for years. But the government- co- starts contacting us and start- and when they get in their crosshairs on you these are these are not elected officials; these are lawyers that have a job to do and a quota to make and they come at you, you're guilty. I mean, the day they knock on the door, you're guilty. And they they really just strung us up by having to prove that, you know, the file was, was never out there. I mean, we just couldn't prove that a needle wasn't out in the universe, you know, without having to check the whole universe. And you can't check the whole universe. So it was all this crazy guilty kill proven innocent not telling us what we needed to do, not telling us what we did wrong, not telling us what we did right. They just wanted me to sign an agreement that they could audit me for two decades, and they put a, a press report out making them look wonderful and making us look bad, except for the small tiny line that said no no wrongdoing was admitted. So this is the game they play, and I refuse to play it because that type of publicity would maybe not knock out Target or Sony or whoever, but for a cancer detection Center back in 2008 or 9 or 10. It was a death knell. So I wrote the book, The Devil Inside the Beltway, because in in learning how much rights we don't have and these appalling ways these investigators act, terrified everyone is to say how terrible they are, uh, it became real important to understand how to communicate that in a story. So I wrote The Devil Inside the Beltway, and that got them really angry. (laughs) They don't like to have stories written about them. And uh, so the book took off and a whistleblower came out and we, um, they took me to their courtroom and, and, and for the federal trade commission, I had to go on trial there and we won, but then the big dogs overturned their judge. And then we went to the 11th circuit and we won again. And that little story, the decade that ended last September, that cost over $10 million in legal fees and the company was destroyed. And the company was destroyed because when the government, just accuses you. People run in terror. And then your company dies from within because people are afraid you're in trouble. They jump and then new people won't come on. So they kill the organization and it's been an amazing ride trying to get people to understand it and and hold them accountable. Because it's not about what they did to me. They do this all the time. It's just that so rarely does anyone fight back or write about it. But we have a, a we have a justice system and a, and a bureaucracy in D.C. that is completely indifferent to our rights. As a matter of fact, we haven't had those rights we think we've had since the 19 teens. And um, but someone needs to tell a story about it so that we understand. So unlike when the book came out several years ago, uh, I think now we everyone really understands something's really wrong. But they still don't have their finger on
5: it.
3: Yeah, well, you know, again, I know the very first time we had you on, I, I was just beside myself with the fact that you were so willing to go to the mat, and you thought back when so many people are kind of forced to eventually acquiesce. Just about everybody's willing to to stand up and and take that fight to them originally, but when you're facing the resources the federal government has, and they string you out and Like you said, the the company was destroyed, but you still wouldn't back down. That takes a lot of nerve. It takes a lot of gumption. It takes a lot of heart, and that's motivated by more than just you looking out for you. That's you standing on principle and trying to protect everyone. So I'm greatly appreciative of the fact that you've done that. And I know countless other Americans, if if they know the story and know the truth, they will be as well. So uh, uh, thank you for standing up and uh, doing uh, the right thing, Mike. It's It does mean a lot.
6: Well, I appreciate that. It, uh, um, it was a, a, a crazy great adventure. It still is. We have nine lawsuits going on. You know, whoever thought in the beginning we'd get a congressional report out of it and congressional hearings and – beating the FTC and and over, I mean, over $10 million in defense. It's been crazy. And the big picture is you shouldn't have to go through that to prove your innocence. And what the government's doing is saying, we're going to destroy you no matter what. Even if you win, you're destroyed. And we have to understand exactly how they do that so we can stop them from doing it. They like to keep a bag over our heads. And that's why so many children are so gullible and so emotional and so irrational about our rights and what's going on in the country right now. And they, because they don't even understand the basic structure of our government. And that's not really their fault. I mean, our government hasn't taught us how they operate in over a hundred years. The, the civics books of the 20th century, we're talking about the government behavior in the, in the 19th century. we just, we just don't know, and if you're kept circled and confused, and the tree doesn't fall down on you that often, then if it does fall down on you, you're you're really alone because everyone else is uh, either afraid or ignorant.
3: Well, uh, unfortunately, Michael, we have got to that point of the uh, evening where I have to say goodbye. But before we do that, uh, please uh, any of the websites to any of the organizations. Oh, sure. However, whether it's the so, cyber uh, education. The,
6: the, 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 yeah, it's, it's uh, cyber. You can go to cyber education right now just to go to cyberevents.org. That's easier to remember. We have an Atlanta event in January at the Atlanta Tech Village for any corporations that want to send people out for education on, on cyber education as a culture in your company. And then the book is The Devil Inside the Beltway. It makes a great, great Christmas present. It's a great read. Uh, and it's at Amazon, an audiobook e book, hardcover and soft cover, any way you like it. And um it's um it's pretty relevant. It's just a playbook of how they really do it. And they got really mad when I wrote it. So that's that's you know that's a nice form of flattery being hated for by bureaucrats. <laughs> so
3: all right. Well uh, thank you again for your time and uh, we definitely will have to get back together again sometime soon and uh continue to keep an eye on uh, all things cyber Thank you, sir. All right, thanks a lot. take care as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That was mr uh, michael darty uh you know i I never get tired of talking to some of the guests that have been uh multiple time guests and and Michael darty is one of those folks. He's up there with Doug Giles and uh he's up there with uh, Tim Ball, who actually will be uh, on with us again relatively soon. Uh, they, they just bring such a unique energy uh, to whatever they're doing, and you know I, it's hard not to like people like that. It's hard not to to feel the infectious enthusiasm that they have. But it would have been so easy in Mike's case to have just to just roll over and say, you know what? How can I beat the government? How can I make this stand? But he did He He stood up, and he did that because he knew he was not the first and would probably not be the last. But by taking that stand, maybe he could reduce the number of people in the future. So again, uh, there is a link in today's show description if you are here at the BTR uh, platform. Uh, If you are not, uh, then by all means – uh, you can boogie on over to Amazon, uh, like you mentioned, The Devil Inside the Beltway. It is a very good read, and it is a slightly fictionalized story in so much as he – because the litigation was ongoing at the time, he couldn't just flat out write it as a nonfiction and say this is what they're doing to me. But it is extremely accurate as far as what was actually happening, and it is a very good read. I am – uh, I've actually uh found myself reading it uh a second time not that long ago. So it is certainly worth your time and your energy if if you don't know the story, uh that is the story and Michael Darty is just he became an expert on cybersecurity because of those events and because he had to. It was out of necessity and and therefore you know it was very thorough. All right, so uh We'll uh, take a little quick break here. We'll uh, do a little bit of uh, Christmas tunage again. Let me see what I want to (laughs) play. I tend to play a little more music this time of year too, so um, I I like the uh, Christmas songs. And then when we get back, Let's talk a little bit about Hillary Clinton, and then in the end run, we'll see how many other topics I can sneak in. Uh, In the meanwhile, uh, thanks for being here, and uh, don't go away because I will be right back. for staying with me through that very brief break. Hope you're enjoying the the Christmas days. I hope everyone is feeling the Christmas spirit as we've managed to get a little bit past Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving, something else. And then, of course, Black Friday. It's an adventure. Uh, People getting shot, people getting killed, mauled, trampled, run over, beat up, beat down, Uh, pillows, towels, televisions. And and I really – it continues to boggle my mind. Why do you fight so much over a TV? Do you not realize that by the time you shake and throw that thing around, you're probably going to break it? Sheesh. But like I said earlier uh, at the top of the show when we were first mentioning it, uh, don't ever make fun of a prepper, you man. (laughs) Just don't make fun of preppers. There's no room for it. If these people will do that over a television – What will they do when the food is gone? Okay, it will get scary. (laughs) So, just another happy holiday thought, courtesy of Tapping to the Truth. All right, for those of you uh, in and around the Crestview area, uh, I want to thank you for making Tapping to the Truth part of your weekend experience. Thanks for joining me. So, bring a little East Tennessee flavor to your portion of Florida. And for those of you that are still listening out at KYAH 540 a.m., Utah's Talk Authority, thank you as well. Glad to have you guys on the terrestrial radio side of things. And of course, anybody who's listening anywhere else, whether it's SoundCloud or uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, AHA Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, wherever you may be listening, uh, tune in. Yeah, if uh, you have Alexa and you have uh, got your Alexa device uh, with your tune-in, uh, what do they call it on Alexa? Skills? <laughs> they don't call it an app. They call it a skill. So uh, on Alexa, it is uh, the tune-in skill. Uh, once you're on TuneIn, uh, Tap into the Truth is one of the many uh, things that you can find there as well. So for those of you who do not get to hear all three weekly shows uh, for whatever reason, uh, you can always check out the podcast version in any one of those locations and literally dozens of others, just about anywhere you might be listening to podcast at. There's a pretty good chance you'll find the show there. And if not, eh, look around, or you can always go to my website. In the meanwhile, let's get back to the show. Uh, First of all, it's still kind of quiet in the chat room tonight, which is something that uh, is fairly common for Fridays, although usually uh, Mary will at least drop in for a few minutes. Uh, She's probably trying to recover from time with family, I would imagine, she's very active with those folks. Mary is someone who's uh, almost always in here. Uh, but uh, happy to have Chief. I know uh, Kel usually has uh, production responsibilities, a couple of shows over at Global Patriot Radio, but otherwise she's normally in here on the other nights of the week. And just as an FYI, for those of you who are familiar with Kel and do listen here at the BTR for, uh, platform uh, for the Sunday uh, broadcast, uh, Kel will be joining me uh, near the top of the first hour. And, uh I'll see how long I can keep her <laughs> as we cover a lot of different topics. Um, one of the primary topics we'll be talking about is this new uh, migrant pact uh, that the UN is pushing. And of course uh, Justin Trudeau, the shiny pony, uh, seems to be just literally biting at the chomp, ready to uh, – chomping at the bit, I guess I should say, uh, <laughs> to, to run over –… and sign the accord and just say, yes, come come to Canada, free and open to everyone. Uh, again, I I don't do a Justin Trudeau. I do. <laughs> and Just not very good. The shiny pony is a uh, – he is a piece of work to say the least. And then also we also have a federal judge. I haven't run this by Kell yet, but I know she'll be on to this one. as she uh, primarily focuses uh, on the counter-jihad movement. But we've got a federal judge that has now ruled that a federal law against female genital mutilation is unconstitutional. I fail to see exactly what the grounds are. I've heard the argument. I don't think it's a very good argument, and I hope this ruling is appealed. Uh, It's insane. Quite honestly. So, we'll be talking more in depth that. So, if you're listening down in Florida on, uh, on the radio down there and terrestrial uh, radio down in Crestview or nearby, uh, you'll want to look me up at uh, Blog Talk Radio and listen to that if you want to catch it, or find the podcast in one of those other uh, places where you listen to the podcast uh, after at some point after 5 p.m. Eastern. So uh, for you guys, then, since you're in the central time zone, uh, it would be a little bit earlier. Anyway, let's talk about Hillary Clinton just a little bit, shall we? Um, since that is what I teased before the little uh, music break. Uh, Hillary Clinton has made headlines once again, uh, this time talking about immigration and talking about Migration more specifically. Uh, She basically told the EU primarily, but uh, all of Europe, that they really need to get a handle on their migration. They need to slow it down considerably or stop it outright in some cases because – no, not because labor unions don't like uh, illegal immigration. No, not because it can be a detriment to – societal norms when you have people who are not emulating to a new culture. No, she she didn't even think that it was uh, worth mentioning the fact that there's been spikes in violent crime throughout all of Western Europe, uh, especially in those nations that have allowed unfettered migration from places like Syria since the beginning of the Uh, Conflict uh, known as the Syrian Civil War. No, none of those reasons. None of that had anything to do with it. Her reason for lecturing the fine folks of Europe and getting a handle on migration and uh, unfettered immigration because it's allowing populists to gain power. Now, when she says populist, she means it as a dirty word. Now, here's the fun fact for you. To be a populist doesn't mean that you're on one side of the political spectrum. You can be a populist and be on both sides. Well, let me give you an example. You can be a leftist and be a populist. Bernie Sanders. Yes, it seems that when you play to the populist – When you play to the people, when you play to the crowd, when you tell them what they want to hear, when you try to give them what you think they want with little concern about some guiding principle or uh, fundamental governing philosophy, you can be a populist and be a leftist. It's entirely possible. Now, a lot of people say Donald J. Trump is a populist uh, and uh, to the right. Now – I would contend that Donald J. Trump really doesn't fall that far to the right. He has actually governed from a very conservative stance, but his personal philosophies aren't very politically ideological, and again, he grew up most of his professional life.  … Uh, … in and around Democrats, working with Democrats, donating to Democrats, voting, and being a registered Democrat in uh, New York you know, most of his adult life. Most of his adult life, that's where he's been. Uh, he had to get a lot of coaching early on when he decided to run for president uh, for the Republican ticket because there were a lot of things he didn't understand that conservatives, true conservatives who are knowledgeable about the topics, they're not going to put up with, things like… Uh, When he made the statement early on uh, in the primaries that uh, Planned Parenthood does a lot of good in a lot of communities. Uh, No, they don't. That's leftist propaganda. And you know what? It's perfectly okay for Donald Trump not to know that because when did he have dealings with Planned Parenthood other than when somebody would show up and ask him for money? You wouldn't expect him to know necessarily. But again, because he doesn't have those.  … long-standing, deep-seated philosophical principles to stand on. It's just uh, not his driving force, so I, I don't think he's that far to the right, but I am greatly appreciative of the fact that most of what he's gotten done has been very conservative. I would still like for him to get a little more precise with his communications, but that's another story entirely. But here's the deal. Uh, It's coming down to this. Even the Democrats are starting to realize that immigration and migration are losing topics for them. They thought they'd be able to decimate, it, and they they truly believed the blue wave was coming. Well, the way things have seemed to have ended out, it wasn't that bad uh, for them after all, but they thought they were going to do better. They thought it was going to be a huge blue wave, and they thought it was because of the whole child separation at the border issue. And they thought this was going to continue, and they thought this migrant uh, caravan showing up at the border was going to allow them even more opportunity to gain more – because they think they win on this topic. And the reason they think that they win on this topic is because they know that generally speaking, most Americans, A, have a pretty big heart… You know, we do we we have life so good. Even those of us who are struggling in our lives, we understand that our lives are so much better than ninety eight percent of the world. When we step outside of the borders of the United States of America, we literally are entering a different world. There are very few nations in this world where we can see a standard of living that is even comparable to what we've accomplished here. Now, there are reasons for that, capitalism, uh, individual responsibility, uh, individual liberty. Uh, There are reasons for that, and that the grace of God doesn't hurt. But politically speaking, the Democrats have been taking advantage of the fact for some time that most Americans are generally pretty big-hearted and that we see people who are in trouble and we want to help. There is no nation…  … that has more of its average citizenry contribute to charitable causes than the United States. There is no nation in this country that does more to help other countries around the world than the United States. And we do this both through personal giving and through taxpayer dollars uh, when stuff is funded through the government. And usually you don't hear much in the way of complaints…  … from the American people when the government does these things unless you run into the inevitable cases of mismanagement. But another good hint that the Democrats are starting to back off a little bit, a lot of the folks who decided that uh, they were running on the platform of uh, doing away with ICE, they've changed their tune. A lot of them have. Most of them are no longer calling for the dismantling of ICE. They… Now realize that ICE actually is needed. <coughs> hmm. ICE is not the Gestapo that they wanted to paint the picture of during the run up to the midterm election. ICE is a bunch of hardworking folks who are trying to enforce immigration law. Uh, you know, those nasty little things that actually did exist before Donald J. Trump was president. Everybody wants to talk about this child separation at the border, and still they want to pretend like Donald J. Trump uh, is the only one who's ever done it. No, Barack Obama never did that. uh, Nothing happened before Donald J. Trump, the kicker of puppy and eater of babies. He is the vicious, cruelest, most divisive, evil entity that has ever existed in the America body politic according to the people that…  … continuously tell us about how racist we are, how bigoted we are, and wants to make sure that we continue to be separated because as soon as we see through that crap, suddenly things start getting fixed. Politicians and race baiters do not want these problems to be fixed because then they are no longer relevant. They're literally making a career, and in some cases making millions of dollars off of the fact of perpetrating upon you the myth that this is the most racist nation in the world. I would highly recommend some of you people that are actually buying into that story to actually go down to Honduras and Guatemala and and see what happens there. If you think we're racist, you try being a black person – in Honduras and see what happens. MS-13 will have you off in a heartbeat. That's racism. You're uh, every leftist liberal college student hero, uh, Shea Guevara. Yeah, put that T-shirt on, buddy. Do you know who the man is? Do you know what the man did? You complain about racism. There's somebody who was a... Full card-carrying racist That he was the kind of guy that the original Democratically Controlled terrorist organization The Ku Klux Klan Could have looked up to as a hero Had he come first He would have been their inspiration (laughs) (laughs) But despite all that Hillary Clinton makes headlines Because she's telling the European nation to get a handle on your migration because I like the fact that she's using that, the PC terminology. Now, make no mistake about it. She is still testing the waters. She wants to run for president one more time. She's still living in some kind of delusional uh, fantasy land that uh, makes her viable. And you know, I don't know why somebody doesn't finally just come up and tell her, maybe Bill – Maybe Bill Clinton needs to come up and and just say, you know, you know what, Hillary? I, th- I think it's time that maybe maybe you just moved on. Somebody needs to tell this chick that the Democrats are not that into you. Look, if if she was really ordained, you guys remember the first time she decided to run for president? She didn't even get the nomination. Why? Because a then at the time. Nobody, a junior state – a junior senator from the state of Illinois made a speech when John Kerry got the Democratic nomination. The junior senator from the state of Illinois who had barely been the senator for a while, had been a state senator previous to that Also, for not very long before moving to the U.S. Senate, and he gave a speech on one of the nights at the Democratic Convention uh, that served to nominate John Kerry. And suddenly he was a rock star, but still nobody knew who he was, not really, not on a national level. He got some attention, and some folks were like, that man is something because he was extremely eloquent. He gave a very good speech, and let's face facts. He was extremely talented at reading the teleprompter. That's what got him there. The guy I'm talking about, of course, later became the occupier of the White House for two terms. better known to most of you as Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama. But at the time when he was running against Hillary for the uh, Democratic nomination – he was still essentially a political nobody. Bill Clinton literally was having meeting, meetings with Ted Kennedy before Ted's demise about uh, how you can't be serious in uh, supporting Barack Obama over Hillary. But he did. Ted Kennedy saw something in him. He knew. He knew he was something. He was going to bring the Democrats back. Well, I got to tell you, as Barack Obama, the most important thing to remember is that with a little bit of hope and a whole lot of change, America can be more racist than ever. In fact, instead of hope and change, Barack Obama's uh, <laughs> slogan should have been… Uh, let make America racist again because nobody did more to inflame racism. The divides that had been healing were so just ripped apart and set on fire with gasoline. And it, again, it's because you have the social justice warrior mentality instead of just the justice mentality. There's legitimate places where – Justice reform and judicial reform and sentencing reform, lots of areas that would have been good for your base that still would have been acceptable for the rest of – you could have been a unifier. You claim to be a unifier. You also claim to be an open administration. We're the one of the most transparent administrations in history. Well, the only thing that was transparent is how full of BS you were. But my point still being, Hillary, the Dems just aren't that much into you because how on earth does Barack Obama, Barack Hussein Allah akbar Obama, a political nobody at the time, whip you? Because the party doesn't support you. They don't. You literally had to get Debbie Wasserman Schultz to stack the deck. <clears throat> You had to have the DNC literally cheat for you in order to beat a cranky old white socialist who cares more about when he's having his next cup of pudding than he does about actually what it takes to run the country. That's how into you the Democrats are. So Hillary, somebody in your circle needs to tell you you're done. Stick a fork in you. Benito. Company, And you have no business, no business whatsoever lecturing anyone in this country, let alone anyone in any other country, about anything. You don't have the experience or the, the moral fortitude to be telling anybody anything. You really don't. Believe women uh, except for the bimbo eruptions. What what do you want to say? Um, uh, You were a senator for a while for the state of New York. What did you actually accomplish? Uh, There's some stuff that's on your resume, but none of it's anything that you actually did. You voted for some stuff. You were secretary of state. What happened on your watch? Benghazi ring a bell? Anything good happened. The Russian reset. You literally walked out with a little button… A big, fake, prop, red button. This is the reset button. Here, Vladimir, push it, and our relations are just like new. For the love of God. It's no wonder the Democrats don't take you seriously. Hello, why am I not your president now? I was the best candidate ever this time. You were under FBI investigation. There was a time in American history, and I know I lamented this a lot while it was ongoing, but for those of you who are new to the show, there was a time in American history where the appearance of impropriety would be enough to get most candidates to step down from the race if for no other reason than to give themselves the opportunity to clear their names and then come back. That is gone. We don't have that anymore. The, the The whole cumbersome notion of the appearance of impropriety, we've become so tribal. We want impropriety as long as it's for our side, and this is happening on both sides. we got to get past that. <laughs> I'm looking in the chat room again, Chief. It's a is making some uh, very clever and on-point comments like uh, the Obama administration was very transparent. We saw right through it, and yes, we did. A lot of us did. We warned you about Obamacare. We warned you about uh, uh, Fast and Furious. We warned you about Benghazi after the fact and how they were lying about that. We warned you about their relationship trying to cozy up uh, to Putin and the Russians. And the truth of the matter is this whole Russian collusion allegation between – Putin and Trump, is sour grapes from the Democrats that they couldn't cozy up to. Putin didn't respect Obama or Clinton or any part of that ilk. John Kerry, get, get real, didn't respect any of them enough to collude with them. So they're jealous that at least Donald Trump can get the man to speak to him as if he's an equal. He spoke to those folks like they were the the folks that uh, you probably just uh, had sitting over at the kids' table at your Thanksgiving holiday meal that just passed, they also said that Hillary did one smart thing in her life. she married Bill without that, she would be as well known as chief less well known than Tim, <laughs> so <laughs> obviously Chief's a little better known than I am, and yeah, that's actually probably true, and I'm okay with that uh <laughs> anyway, it's certainly worth the chuckle there. But uh, I don't know that she would be that bad. What else has she done? She would have never been the senator in New York if she had not have been the first lady. It, just, it would not have happened, and being the first lady of Arkansas would have never been enough to get her there. Her time sitting on the board of Walmart certainly would not have gotten her any notoriety. In fact… The overwhelming majority of people in this country, especially Democratic voters and people that actually did support her, as few of them as there are, probably have no idea if she sat on the Walmart board at any point in time. And they certainly don't know much about her legal career because it was rather short, and it's not very impressive. The highlight of her, her career was defending a uh, serial child rapist. Managed to get him off by discrediting the testimony of children who are victims. Yeah, how's that for Believe All Women? How's that for a a card-carrying, affirmative member of the Me Too movement? Yeah, good job, Hillary. It's ridiculous. But what's most infuriating about this, what's most infuriating that Americans, Democrats included, should pay very close attention to is why she's lecturing Europe… Oh the Chief has gave me the correction he said uh, that he she meant that Hillary would be less well known than me uh and but would still be better known than chief uh. <laughs> actually going back and reading that, I said that's correct but uh okay anyway i it's pretty funny either way, Chief, <laughs> like I said, I'm all right with it either way, but uh what should be most infuriating to everybody out there, uh, Republican, Democrat, independent, atheist, Christian, Jew, uh, throw in a Muslim if you feel like it, whatever. Oh, I be Hindu, and I'm very much not liking this Hillary Clinton person trying to tell us what to do. Uh, you shouldn't, Apu, And the reason why you shouldn't is because… It is utterly ridiculous because she's not upset about the migration itself. She's not upset about these people coming in and upsetting the economies of these countries. She's not upset about the people showing up, and suddenly there's a huge uptick in violent crimes, particularly rape. No, no, no. Those aren't the the problem. The problem is around the world there's this movement of other Trump-esque-like leaders – Emerging, because the people have had enough, because the people are tired of it. So politicians that are actually willing to show up and listen to the people again are stepping up to say, "Uh, you know what? You guys are right, and we're going to cut this out. (laughs) She can't stand the thought of seeing all the the so-called progressive uh, advancements just being torn down. Get used to it, Hillary. Get used to it. Now, right now, we're in the middle of Theresa May trying to find a way to get out of the Brexit, and eventually it's going to fall apart. But sooner or later, the fine folks in the UK are going to withdraw from the EU, no matter if Theresa May or any other politician anywhere else in the EU likes it or not. And you're going to continue to see similar movements from other member nations. Because these folks understand the threats that the leftist politicians don't. It's not any different than the UN's current agenda to basically dissolve and erase all borders in the first place. But this becomes very dangerous to the people that don't identify the same as the new members of supposedly the same society. You can't have… A nation without secure borders, without a unique culture. You must have a unifying language. You must have these basic tenets or you don't have a country. Now, that suits the globalists just fine because they think they're going to be able to create enough uh, enough tomfoolery and enough uh, – Wild and fiery action that you're going to be so busy fighting your new neighbors that you're not going to pay any attention to all the world's riches that they're just stealing away. We have got to see through their BS and start standing together because we have more in common than we have that is different. We need to start seeing the reality that the majority, the overwhelming majority of people who choose politics as a career are doing what every other person does when they're in a career. They're putting that career ahead of everything else. (coughs) You know, Chief also says that Hillary would not have been on the Walmart board except that she was Bill's wife. And you know, her time as First Lady of Arkansas did play into it. But I actually think that uh, I think that her dad had a little something to do with that as well. I mean, I mean the thing to remember, Chief, is that uh, the Rodhams are not exactly political nobodies on the international stage. They may not be a household name like Rockefellers and the like here in the U.S., but around the world, the Roddams are a pretty big deal. And in fact, for those of you ready to put on your tinfoil hats, uh, put this on for size. Uh, the Rodham clan was one of the founding members of the Bilderberger group, so whatever the Bilderbergers are actually up to, Hillary's family has… Plenty of access to some strings that they could pull, and I think actually Hillary's dad had more to do with Bill being able to become uh, both governor and then later on president uh, than either one of those two had to do with it. But despite all that, back to the very simple point that uh, this is Hillary trying to ignore the simple fact that folks are tired of being ignored… And they want people who are going to tell them that, yes, I will listen to you, and I will start doing things that make sense. I will start doing things that will protect you. I will start doing things that will make you feel like you finally have a representative in this position. And then more than just say it, once they get into the elected office, they're going to actually – … do everything in their power to do it. And as those folks start showing up, then the people are going to continue to wake up to the fact that that's what they've been looking for all along. It's like I may not like Donald J. Trump's politics in general, but I do like the fact that Donald J. Trump tells me he's going to do something, and then, even though he says a lot of stuff, when he comes up and says actually he's going to do certain stuff… But he then begins the hard, laborious work of fighting not just the Democrats, not just the never-Trumpers, not just the establishment Republicans, not just the mainstream media, but literally every other globalist force that's also lined against him. he will stand up and tirelessly fight that fight to try everything within his power to reach that goal. And because we see him fighting that fight, we then step back and – with him maybe not hitting every goal, as long as we see he's swinging for the he's, – he's swinging for the upper decks, and he's doing everything, and he's doing that not for himself but for the American people. And that's why so many conservatives have fallen to a point of loving this president, and that's why so many conservatives are going to continue to do so until the day that Donald Trump just no longer does that. And guess what Media. You are never going to beat Donald Trump, or you're never going to be able to destroy Donald Trump, because unlike most politicians, you did not make Donald Trump. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to leave things there. I obviously didn't cover very many topics today. We'll do better next time. In the meanwhile, have a great uh, upcoming weekend. Enjoy the remainder of your holiday weekend. I will see a lot of you back here at BTR on Sunday. But remember, above everything else, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in a little effort and, more importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Uh, Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody, and I will see you back right here soon. Bye-bye.